Welcome to episode 48 of Spurbs Herbs. And today we're going to be talking about super popular herb, valerian root. Also, the official Latin name is valeriana officinalis. And without further ado, let's get into it. So today we'll be looking at Western herb valerian used medicinally for thousands of years. This is a very commonly used herb for insomnia and other conditions. And as usual, we will be exploring something a little different. Today will be more than just a little different. We will be exploring artificial intelligence. And can it play a role in researching and learning about herbs? So please keep with us for today's interesting, dare I say exciting, episode. Before we get into that, I just want to let you guys know we are winding down our mega deal, our 45-hour How to Understand Drugs as an Herbalist series, including a lovely formal certificate of completion, a signed copy of my book, Integrative Pharmacology, Combining Modern Pharmacology and Integrative Medicine. That's a, an expensive book. Uh, one of our most important courses, Interpreting Chinese Medical Research for free, plus two hours more of any course you want. This is a value of $809.95 worth of amazing products for only $337.50, less, quite a bit less than half off. Just go to www.integrativemedicinecouncil.org slash megadeal. That's www.integrativemedicinecouncil.org slash megadeal. Okay, so today, as a podcaster, I enjoy listening to podcasts. I, I listen to them all the time. Usually, I barely, get, I barely get through my main one, This Week in Tech, known as Twit. Love it. Been listening to it for years and years. After that, I listen to Hardcore History. Love that, but it's sporadic, uh, and they're long. They're like the last one, I think, was five or six hours. Uh, love it. Freakonomics is great, as well as an ongoing list of others. I have a lot of others. I don't usually get to many of the others. I'm like always struggling to get through this week in tech. Um, and, and, and on Twitter, there's been a lot of talk about artificial intelligence or AI. And of course, this is in the mainstream media as well. And, you know, the, the questions that are popping up in Twitter, is this another flash in the pan? We've had so many. I mean, VR was one of those. We have a lot of different things that have come out recently that just haven't really panned out very well. And so that's the question that Twit is, is doing. Is it revolutionary or is it just, you know, just one more thing that's going to fall by the wayside? And the, the last question is, will it change our everyday lives? Now, most of the people on Twitter are saying yes, to, uh, not yes to all of those. It is not a flash in the pan. It is absolutely revolutionary. These are I, like the last Twit they had um, two old uh, journalists, uh, along with the host, who is an old old journalist as well in, in tech industry. And uh, the host is a little skeptical. The other two are like, no, this is definitely ranks right up there with like the iPhone 15 years ago when that first came out and, uh, you know, mobile computing. That was the dawn of mobile computing and that it is revolutionary. This is going to change our everyday lives. We're just at the very, 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 very beginning of all this. And uh, we don't even know where it's going to go. But this is a fundamental issue. Uh, it, it, it's a big shift in, in, in 
technology. So this is not a technology podcast, So, but I did think I, I thought I would do an experiment today. I asked ChatGPT, the most talked about AI today, uh, to do today's presentation. I, I asked them to do the whole presentation for me. Uh, I, I, I just, before we get into chat, GBT and what I did, I did get an invitation to be on the waiting list for Bard, which is Google's answer to chat GBT. If you're not familiar with chat GBT, that's um, from OpenAI, and it actually had a huge investment from Microsoft, and uh, Microsoft is going to be using it in a lot of its products. So that's sort of the Microsoft product, and then Bard would be the Google product. It, it, they just released it. They just asked for people to be on the, wait, on the waiting list. I did get an invitation. I did say yes. But I wasn't able to get access before this episode. So, and it's new. I suspect it'll it'll have a little bit of growing pains. But I'm curious to see what Bard can do. But so far, everyone's talking about ChatGPT. That is the most well known. Not only is it the most well known AI, it is the fastest uh, program ever adopted. They they received a hundred million. Uh, I I don't know interactions, individual interactions in two months. Uh, before that, the only the uh, the closest app was TikTok, which took I think seven or eight months to achieve a hundred million. So that's huge. So ChatGPT is humongous. And so what I did is I gave it a prompt. I said, create a forty-five minute professional presentation on valerian root herb. That was my my prompt for it. And then I iterated that twenty-five times. Uh, every time I got something different. So, and they say that's what happens to ChatGPT every time it's a little bit different. So I did it 25 times. And I actually, I re it records them for me, but I also put them in a Word document in case something happened with my, my account. So I have them all. And not all of them, because a lot of them, about half the time it gave me actually a really good outline for a presentation, but it didn't give me the presentation. It just said slide one should be this, or here's an outline for a presentation. And so... It didn't have information. It just said, this is what you should put in it. I liked it. They, they were very good outlines, uh, probably better than the presentations that came out. But about, I, I didn't. I recorded a few of those, but most of them were exactly the same. And so I, I, I didn't record all those. About the other half of the time, and I'd have to go through them again to get the exact numbers. Probably should. It gave some interesting verbiage for slides. But out of that, most of them, I would say, ended before completing the assignment with a quote-unquote network error. So I didn't get, I only got a handful of complete uh, slide presentations. They were nowhere near 45 minutes. So like if I read them straight through, they're probably five or 10 minutes tops. Um, but interesting stuff. So it, it, it did give some good info and some good lines. And my question is, was it accurate? That's, that's the real question we want to know as someone who's listening here. So here's today's experiment. I will, with tons of transparency, be using some of the lines from these AI attempts. These will be taken from several different iterations of the prompts. I didn't just take one iteration. I, you know, I bounced around to get the best uh, verbiage for each slide that I, I did it on. And I'm going to fact check it. And we will see how the AI fares with this information. At least initially, I'm really impressed with what it has put out, but skeptical about its accuracy. So let's see how this is going to play out. It's going to be an interesting episode today, I think. And in light of today's AI experiment, I did ask Dolly 
If you're not familiar with Dolly, it's an AI tool that creates pictures based on a user's prompts. So you type in text and it creates pictures for you. Um, I, I, I did ask for it to, to do pictures of Valerian for me, for us, for this thing. And, and right off the bat, my apologies to those listening, but I'll do my best to describe the picture. So the, my first prompt was a picture or drawing of Valerian root. And what's really interesting about all of these pictures about Valerian root is they all have words on it. Like the first one says root b-toot, R-E-O-O-T-B-T-O-O-T in script on the bottom of a fairly nondescript plant, all green, and has, uh, I think it's, it's a root with some rhizomes coming out of the root and some leaves. And that's all it is, all it, 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 olive green sort of thing. But these words are interesting. The next one said retroll, R-O-O-T-R-O-L. And again, fairly nondescript. You know, there's a couple there's a couple flower buds and maybe one flower that might be getting close to valerian And a lot of dark green leaves. Uh, the root is brown. And uh, again, fairly nondescript. The third one had... Romtel Ruda as words. R, it looks like R O M T A I L, maybe E L, and R O O D A I, I think. And it's interesting, it's separated out. It has the plant with some, some buds. Again, I wouldn't say Valerian like. Uh, and then some brown roots. And then it kind of separated out um, a little bit of the flower and a couple leaves off to the, to the side. So kind of interesting. And then the fourth picture said Vordselt Roche, I, I guess, R-O-O-R-D-S-E-L-T, maybe R-O-O, it might be a stylized T-S or something, I don't know, it's a little funky, or maybe it's an S-H or something, it's, it's really weird. And this one is just the weirdest of them all. It's like a, a couple leaves not on branches, going directly into a giant root that's all brown, the, the leaves are green, and the, and the root's all brown, and it's most of the plant, and it just, it's ugly, I don't think it's pretty, and has really not a lot to do with what we're talking about here. So that's, those are some of the, the, the pictures I got when I asked for a picture drawing of Valerian root. I'd say all of them are a big miss on Valerian. So prompts, you know, doing it, repeatedly. So my second prompt, by the way, all four of those were from the one prompt. It gives you four different drawings from one prompt. My second prompt eliminated the word root. So it was exactly the same. It was a picture or drawing of Valerian this time. And this time, really pretty, pretty drawings. None of them were pictures. They're all drawings. And this actually does a lot of these do look like uh, in the ballpark of Valerian, if you look at a picture of Valerian. Um, doesn't have any roots. These are all the aerial parts of the plant. The first one is really pretty with some pink um, flowers, a couple leaves here and there. The second one is interesting. It's on a light green background and, and it has dark green, really dark green leaves and stems. And the plants are, are kind of white uh, and uh, looking good. The, the third one's beautiful. It's a little bit closer up. And it has pink and, and more reddish uh, flowers and, and buds and a very green, uh, pretty green leaf. And then the, the last one is, is really nice as well. Um, and, and, and that has 
sort of a mixture of, of pink and white and maybe some red flowers. And um, it, these it, it are pretty, I, I think they're in the ballpark of, uh, maybe not in a scientific way, but in the ballpark of what Valerian looks like. And very pretty. I mean, these are really pretty things. So that second prompt, I think, eliminating the word root was was really nice. So I thought, hey, I'm just throwing that into the AI thing. So I, so far, you know, what I'm getting is, you know, change the prompt, change the results, and you can get pretty good results if you do that. So let's start our Valerian root presentation with an introduction from ChatGPT. This is verbatim what one of the slides was from, from the results from ChatGPT, from the prompt I did earlier, which was 45 minute presentation on Valerian root herb. I, I'm, I'm, I'm tempted to do a computer voice, but I'm not going to. Okay, so this is all, all from ChatGPT until I'm, I, I say otherwise. So. Today, I am excited to present to you about the valerian root herb, a well-known natural remedy used to treat a variety of conditions from insomnia to anxiety. In this presentation, we will dive into the history, uses, benefits, and risks of valerian root. First, let's start with some background information. Valerian root, also known as valeriana officinalis, is a perennial plant that is native to Europe and parts of Asia. Its use dates back to ancient Greek and Roman times, where it was used to treat various ailments. Today, it is widely used in many countries, including the United States. So that was really interesting in a lot of ways. First of all, I didn't mention the United States. It did that, and that was really interesting. And, and most of what it says here is smack on the, the nose. I mean, there's nothing that I can say is particularly wrong. There's a couple things, like really minor nitpicky things. So like it wrote Valeriana officinalis. That is correct. But technically, when you write Valeriana officinalis, both of them were capitalized. And technically, officinalis should be lowercase when you're doing correct Latin binomial plant names. And so, you know, obscure uh, and, and not necessarily something that, that is wrong. It did capitalize valerian root as well, which I thought was interesting. But overall, pretty good start, I would say, from AI. So now, here's my normal presentation on valerian root. The species is Valeriano officinalis, and its family is um, Caprifoliaceae. And by the way, I have no idea how to pronounce these things. I think I'm doing an okay job, but please forgive me if I'm completely off. Um, so Caprifoliaceae. And formally, it was known as um, Valerian, Valerianaceae. It had its own family. That has changed in the last few years. And the reason why I know it's the last few years is because the NIH article that I'm going to be referring to a few times today was written in, I think, 2000. Actually, it was a little older, probably 2008. Actually, let me, let me look it up because that's uh, an interesting one. I'll, I'll look it up at some point. But it's a little bit older. And they talked about Valerianaceae. So in the last 10 or 15 years, that changed into Caprifoliaceae as the, as the, as the family. And then Vera, um, Valerian, Valerianaceae became the, ge the genera um, Valeriana. Its useful parts are the dried underground parts and the dried roots, according to Gruenwald. 
and, and, and generally, if you look at various books, um, dried underground parts and dried roots, usually what, if a little bit more technical, it's probably roots and rhizomes, and that's, that's what I see in a lot of books. Other names uh, include ale heel, amantilla, set wall, seat whale, um, capon's tail, heliotrope, vandal root, cut heel, treacle or triacle, depending on how you pronounce it, fragrant valerian, dysentery root, tobacco root. And in German, uh, there's a lot of names in German, but this one came up, um, Baldrian, Baldrian wurzel. And in Latin, valeriane radix, radix meaning root. Uh, fu in Greek, and in Chinese, xie zao. So those are the various names for that. So quickly, the Caprifoliaceae family. Uh, the Caprifoliaceae, or honeysuckle family, consists of about 42 genera and 890 species known for its many ornamental shrubs and vines. Many of its members were formally placed were formally placed in discrete families, such as our original family of today's herb, Valerianaceae, Valerianaceae, though molecular morphological evidence has led to their collective grouping under Caprifoliaceae. Leaves are, in this family are mostly opposite with no stipules, appendages at the base of the leaf stalk, and may be either evergreen or deciduous. The flowers are tubular, funnel-shaped, or bell-like, usually with five outward spreading lobes or points and are often fragrant. In fact, fragrant. In fact, I, I don't get into it, but one of the descriptions of, of valerian root is that the root is, the, is it is, uh, there's a distinct negative odor to this root, to this plant. So it, it's an interesting sort of uh, thing too. So very fragrant, but in a negative way generally for, for valerian. Okay, let's go back to what the chat GPT says about valerian root. Valerian root has several potential health benefits, including improved sleep. Valerian root has been shown to improve sleep quality, reduce the time it takes to fall asleep, and increase the duration of sleep. Reduced anxiety. Valerian root has calming effects on the nervous system, which can help reduce anxiety and stress. Pain relief. Valerian root has been used traditionally as a natural remedy for pain relief, including menstrual cramps, headaches, and muscle pain. Improved digestion. Valerian root has been shown to have a relaxing effect on the digestive system, which can help reduce digestive discomfort and improve digestion. That was from ChatGPT. Again, not bad, though I think it overemphasizes some of the effects. Of it, you know, a lot of those effects, yeah, I got all those effects when I, I studied it, but some are not really used for some of those effects that were just listed. Again, I would say that there's some interesting capitalization, and I think this was from a different iteration from ChatGPT, so it's different. Like, the word root is not capitalized here where it was in the in the previous one, but um, I guess in this slide, it'd be okay to say improve sleep and reduce anxiety, the second word being capitalized in all those those I guess titles of those slide of the of the bullet points. So eh, just a little bit different. So so here's what my research showed about that. The main effect of valerian is for nervousness and insomnia, according to Commission E. We've talked about Commission E in the, in the past. This is uh, a commission that happened in the 80s and 90s, I think, in in 
in Europe. And uh, basically, they're the ones who kind of said, yes, you can sell this herb or no, you can't in the European Union. So it had some really dis uh, had a lot of researchers involved in it and had a big impact on policy, herb policy in the European Union. So it's a, it's a pretty major thing, though it's quite old at this point. You know, it's probably 20 or 30 years old at this point. Uh, but still, interesting that, you know, they said it is it is good for nervousness and insomnia. So that that's a pretty good distinction here. They also said it has unproven uses for menstrual strain, lack of concentration, excitability, stress, headache, neurasthenia, epilepsy, hysteria, nervous cardiopathy or heart issues, menstrual states of, of agitation, pregnancy, menopause, neuralgia, which means nerve pain, fainting, nervous stomach cramps, colic, uh, uterine spasticity, so uterine contractions, and states of, a, of anxiety. So there's lots of things that it's supposed to be good for. Uh, Commission E didn't say that those were proven. Again, this is 34 years ago. There's been a lot of research between now and then, and they're still probably not proven. So, but there you go. That's what the Commission E said. And this is from Grunewald. Grunewald is the uh, the PDR for herbal medicines, and it's a giant volume. And it's, it's quite technical. A lot of research went into it. I, I kind of feel like it often misses sort of what the mainstream of herb use is. It's, it's more of a technical approach to herbs but i think it's a good starting point for where you know science and stuff is and it's getting a little bit old it's 2007 but it's a it's a good tome still good reference so the nih had a, an article on valerian and it, it said valerian has been used as a medicinal herb since at least the time of ancient greece and rome its therapeutic uses were described by hippocrates uh, so that's about two or three hundred years bce and in the second century CE, Galen prescribed valerian for insomnia. Now, that Galen might ring a bell. We had a whole something different about Galen. Galen is often considered, we hear about Hippocrates as the founder of Western medicine, but Galen was really the master of Western medicine. And he was in the second century, uh, Roman, and he prescribed valerian for insomnia. We know that uh, to this today. So we're talking a couple thousand years old, at least, of, of regular usage. In the 16th century, it was used to treat nervousness, trembling, headaches, and heart palpitations. In the mid-19th century, valerian was considered a stimulant that caused some of the same complaints it is thought to treat and was generally held in low esteem as a medicinal herb. Now, this is interesting. I don't get into it too much, but one of my source texts uh, today from Holmes, the energetics of Western herbs is sort of an approach from you know explaining Western herbs and, and putting kind of a Chinese... Uh, medical view on it and and he said that it has very different effects at three different dosing levels so that could explain this um, why there is this sort of paradoxical uh, stimulation that was happening this is all about dosing which you know to a certain extent makes sense finally during world war ii it was used in england to relieve the stress of air raids so to calm people down so that's an interesting one So Engels, who wrote an article in uh, Herbalgram, which is the Journal of the American Herbal Products Association, uh, says Valerian has a long history of medicinal use dating back to the era of Greek physicians. Hippocrates, uh, circa 460 to 377 BC, so more like three or 400 years. 
And uh, Dioscorides, who was in the first century CE, he prescribed it as a sleep aid. Dioscorides was another famous doctor. We haven't talked about him, and, and maybe that'll be interesting to do at some point because I don't know a lot about him, and that makes me fascinated. Uh, Galen, circa 130 to 200 CE, physician, Roman Emperor Marcus Aurealis, uh, prescribed it for insomnia. Among the ancient classical authors, it was also reported as a diuretic and a menstrual flow stimulator. Valerian was used to treat nervousness, trembling, headaches, and heart palpitations in the 16th century, as we just mentioned. In England during World War II, Valerian was used to treat, to relieve the stress caused by air raids. So same, very similar. They're getting obviously very similar source material uh, for these things. And and re remember that ChatGPT did talk about the Greeks and the Romans. So very interesting. It was spot on for that, um, for the most part. All right, let's talk about preparations and dosage. And first we'll go to ChatGPT to see what it has to say about preparations and dosage. If you're interested in using valerian root to improve health, there are several ways to incorporate it into your routine, including tea. You can brew valerian root tea by steeping one to two teaspoons of dried valerian root and hot water for 10 to 15 minutes. Capsules. Valerian root is available in capsule form, which can be taken orally with water. Tincture. Valerian root tincture can be added to water or juice and consumed orally. And topical application. Valerian root oil can be applied topically to the skin to relieve pain and inflammation. That's pretty good. That pretty much sums it all up. It doesn't give, uh, you know, it gave some dosage on the tea, but it didn't really give dosages on anything else. So I, that would be the only thing I would add in. Uh, by the way, the dosage on the tea was, uh, uh, you know, I think two teaspoons might be getting a little bit high, but one teaspoon is is definitely in there. And I don't think two teaspoons is going to hurt you. But I, I what I saw was one teaspoon as a, as a dosage in, in for tea. So pretty darn accurate, pretty on top of things. And really comes down to what I found. Valerian is used in a wide variety of preparations, including capsules, tablets, didn't mention tablets, liquid, uh, tincture, and tea. The daily dosage of extract is 100 to 3,800 milligrams with internal daily dosage of 15 grams of root powder. So I, I hate when they give dosage of extracts. And this, again, is from Ruinwald, uh, that PDR. And the reason why I hate dosages of extracts is because it doesn't usually tell you what the extract ratio is. So that's why this super wide dosage of 100 to 3,800 milligrams, that's one to four grams, I mean, a, a tenth of a gram to four grams. That's a, that's a 400 difference, uh, a multiple, I, that's a huge difference in dosage. And so um, some of that may be what you're using it for because some, some uses you use less, some uses you use more, but it also could be a factor of, of the extraction ratio. And so I really wanna know the extraction ratio. So I, I find that daily dosage to be completely useless. The internal daily dosage of 15 grams of root powder, I'm assuming that's not an extract, it's just powdered root. That is much more useful to me. Uh, and 15 grams is, uh, you know, seems a little high, but not out of the, the realm. You know, when we, we talk about our Chinese herbs, most dosing is between six and nine grams with some that can go as high as 30 or 45 grams uh, on a daily uh, basis. So 15 grams is a, a little bit higher than I would say the average in, in Chinese medicine, but not outside of the, the realm of, of uh, you know, kind of normal. So I think 15 grams is useful for us to know of the root powder. As a sleep aid, 400 milligrams to 900 milligrams of the extract, 30 minutes before bedtime. Again, I, 
extract. What does that mean? I need an extraction ratio. Otherwise, that's useless information to me. Um, so, I, you know, that, I don't know how helpful that is, but I think what is helpful is 30 minutes before bedtime. So to help you go to sleep. And for restlessness, 220 milligrams extract three times daily. So that is, even though it's still an extract, I don't have a clue what that actually means in dosage. Um, it's nice to know, it's, it's good to get the ratio between as a sleep aid, you're using two to four times as much as you would be using for restlessness. So you're using a lot less for restlessness. But the difference is it's two to four times as a sleep aid, but all at once while you're using the, the uh, dose for restlessness three times a day. So the dosage gets near, near itself, but you're spreading out throughout the day. Holmes, who wrote that book, uh, The Interjects of Western Herbs, adds its use as enemas and suppositories. You can actually make it into enemas and suppositories, which he didn't really get into too much, or I didn't want to get into it too much. It's not a common use of, for valerian. So Garen, who wrote the book Western Herbs According to Traditional Chinese Medicine, A Practitioner's Guide, uh, and, and I really like his stuff. It's, it's very grounded in Chinese medicine and with a really good knowledge of Western herbs. Um, Holmes, I think, is, has a lot of information, but he, he, he kind of goes off in, in areas and energetics of herbs that I'm not really my bailiwick and, and a little bit bigger. Um, then, you know, a little bit more obscure, I would say, uh, of, about information about the herbs. But Garen, I think, is very well grounded. And he says this herb, xie, xie zao, in Chinese, is acrid, slightly bitter, and warm, and it enters the heart, liver, spleen, and stomach meridians. It quiets the spirit, forces the liver, and relieves depression of the heart and liver. It it courses the liver and harmonizes the liver and stomach and relieves pain. According to the Grand Dictionary of Chinese Medicinals, this herb is acrid, bitter, warm, and slightly toxic. Enters the heart and liver and expels wind and resolves tetany, which is spasms. Engenders the flesh and stops bleeding and is used to treat disquieted heart spirit, weak stomach, lumbar pain, menstrual irregularities, and stopped menstruation, knocks and falls, so it says knocks and falls, and so traumas, and stomach and intestinal cramping. So interesting. From a Chinese perspective, we're really kind of looking at a liver, spleen, stomach, herb uh, with some heart thrown in. It's, and, and actually, when I read about this, I, I kind of feel like it would be in the Chinese medicinal category of, of of calming the heart, calming the shen herbs. So, and that makes sense with what its main goal is in this. And uh, it, you could make a case for heavy substances uh, that settle the heart um, because of its its effect on sleep. I think uh, quieting the heart, you know, nourishing, you know, um, you know, calming the shen is probably a little bit more where it's at. But I, it would be a good argument. Holmes. Uh, which again puts a Chinese spin on on Western herbs. Says it is somewhat sweet, bitter, and pungent, which is the same thing as acrid or spicy. War this is a really interesting warm with cooling potential. I've never read that before on any herb whatsoever, and he doesn't at all explain it, so I have no idea what he means by that. But warm with cooling potential, and there's the heart. He adds in the pericardium and lung, which are interesting 
uh, meridians to include here, spleen and kidney. There's not a lot of pericardium herbs out there. Uh, so that's an interesting one. And I think that's mainly because I don't know herbally you need to distinguish between the pericardium and the heart meridians in this case. But I, I you know, I, I don't know. I don't see a lot of pericardium herbs out there. So it's interesting. Functions include relaxes constraint, calms the mind and relieves anxiety, clears empty heat and reduces fever, regulates the chi and relieves pain, clears internal wind and stops spasms, stimulates the heart, circulation and brain and relieves depression, stimulates digestion, promotes urination, strengthens the eyes and enhances vision. This is the only time anyone has mentioned eyes in all of my research. Or, or urination, for that matter. So interesting. Stimulates immunity, reduces infection, and antidotes poison, eliminates parasites, and promotes tissue repair. The, the tissue repair and the immunity, okay, maybe the other stuff, the infection, the anti-infectious stuff, again, no one else really mentions that. They do say it, it can help with inflammation, which I think is part of the immune, you know, inf inflammation is the initial stages of the immune response. So maybe I'll buy the immune thing, but um, not a lot outside of homes that, that says anything along those lines, at least not that I came across. So those are sort of the, the Chinese medical actions for, for valerian. Let's get into some more general commentary. And again, both of these are actually from those books that translate Western herbs into Chinese. So it's sort of a mixture of Western commentary and, and Chinese commentary on these herbs. So Garen has a good commentary on this herb. Qi depression eventually leads to heat. Due to valerian's warm nature, it can sometimes cause excitation by worsening heat that is already present. So that might be that stimulation we heard from those 18th century uh, herbalists. But if you account for its heat when formulating, this medicinal can be used very safely in heat conditions. The real strength of this herb, however, is in treating colder, damp conditions. Dioscorides considered V. officinalis a warming stimulant to the menstrual cycle, as well as a diuretic for stringuary. So stringuary, so that was a diuretic promoting urination. So there we go. There was some promote urination elsewhere. Stringuary is, uh, is basically an old-fashioned term for kidney stones. So it's a diuretic for stringuary and as a treatment for stitches in the sides, pain in the side. Many authors throughout history have written about the application of valerian for cramps and spasms. Although the herb is antispasmodic, this action is weak, and the relief is related mainly to relaxing effects on the entire system. So that's Garen. Holmes has a very long commentary, uh, which I didn't get into. A lot of it was about the energetics of the herb, which I, you know, it's not something I usually explore. Uh, but here are some excerpts from his commentary. Valerian roots nervous sedative action, although present, does not go as deep as that of wild lettuce or yellow jessamine. Its action is hypnotic and euphoric. So hypnotic meaning to, um, sleep, inducing euphoric meaning um, makes you feel happy, rather than depressant, which is why it treats depression. The remedy excels at relieving anxiety states, emotional distress, and paranoid conditions due to a neurocardiac sedative action. So neurocardiac means on the nerves in the heart, sedative action. It does not interfere with activity and coordination like numerous other herbs. And this is an interesting commentary here. And, and, and actually, 
I, I found a study that says it does it doesn't do this as well. So it's this is shorn up by studies. It does not interfere with activity and coordination like numerous other herbs. That's really important. I want you to keep that in mind because one of the 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 cautions in this herb from a lot of the Western scientific sources are do not do you know be careful with heavy machinery, and yet the one study uh, they all said that, and a lot of the studies said that too, but not that they tested it. They were just reiterating that from other other things. I never saw a study that said it does it, it does uh, impact activity and coordination, but I did see a study that says it doesn't, and that's important. Uh, in, in, in and that's where this commentary can, can, can be important as well. All right. Garen uh, did talk about several combinations of this herb uh, with skullcap and passionflower. And he uses the Western names for some of these. And I, I'm not sure if they correlate. Usually skullcap, I think, is one of the three yellows. I want to say Huangliang or Wangqin. I think it's Wangqin, actually. But I, I, can, never, I can never recall exactly. Um, so uh, with skullcap and passionflower for nervousness, anxiety, agitation, and insomnia, due to liver chi impinging on the heart. With sweet flag and polygala, again, polygala is, a, is there's a lot of species of that, and several of them are Chinese herbs, so I'm not sure exactly which ones he's talking about. For poor memory, giddiness, insomnia, and nausea associated with liver and heart depression. And with St. John's wort, that's... Uh, um, Guanye uh, Lianchao in Chinese, and Arnica for pain associated with blunt trauma. So we know Arnica is good for pain. And so uh, there you go for um, St. John's Warrant and Arnica for pain associated with blunt trauma. I'm not sure we have anyone from Australia or other British. We probably have some Canadians. And St. John's Warrant is Hypericum, uh, is another word for Hypericum. Okay. So let's get into the context. What is included in this? And, and, and I thought it was interesting, uh, some of the GPT stuff. So here's what GPT says about this. Valerian root contains several chemical compounds, including valeri valeri valerianic acid, valerianol, and valerianol, and valeric acid. Valerianic acid is considered the main active ingredient in valerian root, is believed to promote relaxation and calmness by increasing the levels of GABA in the brain. Valerian root works by increasing the activity of GABA, a neurotransmitter that helps regulate brain activity and promotes relaxation. I got a idea. Not bad. That's pretty on the ball. GABA is definitely associated with this. GABA is really important. It's a neurotransmitter. It's a tamping down neurotransmitter. It's, it makes it harder for an action potential to to fire in the in neurons and so that means the neurons aren't firing as much so it really kind of depresses everything and and GABA is really important in the um, barbiturates and benzodiazepines as drugs um, benzodiazepines kind of um, make more GABA stick around in the synaptic cleft and have more act more more inhibitory effects is really it's an inhibitory neurotransmitter um, Barbiturates act a little bit differently than that, um, but still act on the GABA receptors in the brain. So really interesting uh, on that this is GABA and very much line. And this is important, the barbiturates and the benzodiazepines. We're going to talk about those some more in just a few. 
So Gruenwald says there are numerous constituents, uh, in, including iridoids, uh, which include the velipotriates, isovaltrate, isovaloxyhydroxy, dihydrovaltrate. It's all one chemical. Um, <laughs> volatile oils, which make up 0.2 to 1%, and those include um, valerinol and um, valerinone. We just talked about valerinol or ChatGPT talked about valerinol. Uh, and we and sequesterpenes, sequesterpenes, including um, valerinic acid, which ChatGPT mentioned, 0.1 to 0.9%, 2-hydroxyvalerinic acid, 2-acetoxyvalerinic uh, acid, so just different variations of valerinic acid. Uh, Badal and Delgado, which has the book Pharmacognosy, Fundamentals, Applications, and Strategy, uh, which is a, it gets into a lot of sequesterpenes and what they're, the terpenoids and what they all mean. So it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting book. And they say these sequesterpenoids inhibit the catabolism of GABA at synaptic junctions of the central nervous system in vitro in life. So that's, right, pretty much exactly what ChatPT said. In fact, ChatTP said, Valer valerinic acid, which is a sequesterpene, is the one that increases the level of GABA. So it says, Badal and Delgado said, inhibit the catabolism of GABA. Catabolism is the breakdown of GABA. So if you're inhibiting the breakdown of GABA, it means more GABA is, is there. So uh, it increases, it technically increases the level of GABA in the brain, and that's exactly what ChatGPT said. So interesting. Uh, Grunewald also said there are pyridine alkaloids as well. well alkaloids are, are quite common in herbs and are often ascribed uh, some, some beneficial effect, depending on the alkaloids themselves. Vidal and Delgota also say valerinic acid, um, valerinol, and valerinone have demonstrated sedative and muscle relaxant activity. So it's not ascribing that GABA interaction, but it is explaining maybe some of the muscle relaxant, the antispasmodic stuff, which, by the way, when we look at benzodiazepines, they are an anti-anxiety, they help you sleep, and they can be used as, as anti-spasm, as, as muscle spasm uh, medication. So it's uh, just very similar to benzodiazepines, in other words. All right. Let's get into the science. Before we do, let's check in with ChatGPT. Now, let's move on to the uses and benefits of valerian root. One of the most well-known uses of this herb is as a natural sleep aid. Studies have shown that valerian root can improve sleep quality and decrease the time it takes to fall asleep. It is also often used to treat anxiety and stress as it has a calming effect on the body. Additionally, valerian root has been shown to have anti-inflammatory and pain-relieving properties, making it a potential treatment for conditions such as arthritis. Okay? Interesting. I think this is where the AI fails, thoroughly fails us. It discusses studies, but is very vague about the results and has no references, which is completely unacceptable. In all of my studies on this, I don't think once I saw arthritis. I mean, I don't think it was mentioned. We, we talked about a whole list of things. Let me, let me go back to it real quick. And it might have been in that list, but let me just check real quick. I'm going back. Uh, there we go. Uh, so this is from, uh, from Gruenwald. So this is the PDR. And it talks about neuralgia, which is uh, nerve pain. 
and nothing about arthritis at all. So I nothing I saw, that was the only thing I could think of that might have said arthritis. Um, so nothing about arthritis, but, but ChatGPT did say it helps arthritis. So I think that was wrong. Uh, or at least it's not a commonly used thing for arthritis. So in general, the highest form of evidence for a clinical question is a systematic review. The Cochrane database is an excellent source of this information on systematic reviews. So I put valerian in a, as a search term into the Cochrane database and yielded three relevant studies. One looked at dysmenorrhea, another at anxiety, and the third at sleep in the intensive care unit. All concluded there was not enough nor sufficiently rigorous enough evidence to draw a conclusion. In other words, as most of these studies show in herbs, we need more evidence before drawing a conclusion. So that's not, that's pretty darn usual with a systematic review. There's very few herbs that have had enough research done on them at high enough levels for a systematic review. So yeah, there's enough evidence. Often they'll say there's some evidence, but more is needed. And I think in this case, they were saying even the evidence that's there is pretty lacking. Um, but if you look at these, there are, We've done 2016, 2006, 2015. So, you know, seven, eight years at the earliest, you know, um, and one, uh, you know, 18 years down or 17 years um, back, uh, that was anxiety, the anxiety one. We need more information is, is the bottom line. It, it doesn't say it's bad. It doesn't say it doesn't do those things. It just says we don't have enough information to really um, prove if it does or doesn't. Gruenwald, that's the PDR for herbs. Uh, describes an older study from 1996. So that's a really old study, almost uh, 30 years old at this point. <coughs> Improvements in sleep quality ratings were demonstrated in a well-constructed, randomized, placebo-controlled, multi-center study involving 121 patients. That's relatively, that's, 121 is statistically valid. It's not a, it's, it's not a huge number, uh, but we can start to draw some conclusions from it. Subjects were given either 600 milligrams of a 70% ethanol extract, five to one. See, that's the extraction information I need to know what is the dosing. Uh, so five to one, 70% ethanol extract. Uh, so they were given 600 milligrams of that. 61 of those 121 were given that. A valerian root that was standardized to 0.4 to 0.6% of valerianic acid or placebo, 60 out of the 121 one hour before bedtime for 28 consecutive nights. So one hour. So we, we were saying a half an hour before. So it was one hour. I don't know if that is a huge difference. Patients were given two standardized sleep questionnaires, one that measured the depression mood scale and another global clinical impression scale. 66%, so two-thirds of the valerian treatment arm rated the therapeutic effect as either good or very good at the end of the 28 trial. And this compared to only 29% equally positive ratings by the placebo participants. So that's not bad. There's probably a little bit too much subjective elements to that. See, I, I would love to see, you know, uh, you know, a measurement of how well they slept, you know, how long they slept. Love to see some um, sleep EEGs on this to see if there's any differences, excuse me, in, in the EEG, the electroencephalogram, uh, you know, how the brain waves are happening during sleep. So I, you know, not bad, but I'd like to see a lot more details to, to show what valerian root can do. That's in my wishful thinking. A 2007 systematic review by Tybee found valerian to be safe, but not effective as a sleep aid. 
and, and it is a systematic review. But I do want to say here, and this is important, that even though I think systemic or systematic reviews, uh, that should be systematic reviews, uh, are the highest ranking form of evidence, there is a universal problem with them. And, and in my opinion, a universal problem with herb studies, and that is dosage. Generally, when I look at many of these studies, they're using incredibly low doses of the herb that cannot show therapeutic benefits. It's what I would call, I, I, I don't want to say homeopathic dose because that disparages homeopathy. It's just a super slow, non-therapeutic, small, non-therapeutic dose. I see this again and again and again. I'm like, no, we used four times that amount. Uh, so why are you using this minimal, teeny tiny amount of an, of an herb? And of course, scientists don't know that that's wrong. They're looking at the literature. That's what, they're, that's what it's saying is the proper dose for it because the person before looked at the stuff before and at some point it was just way too low at the beginning. In other words, one needs to read these studies and assess whether they're using correct methodology. Often their methodology for systemic, systematic review is stellar, but they're not looking at the appropriateness of included studies regarding dosage. Dosage to me is everything, you know, and um, I, again, what I see in, in like studies of harm is they're using dosages that we would never go near as an herbalist and saying this herb is toxic. Well, everything is toxic at a high enough dosage. Water is toxic if you have way too much of it. But, and then the other side of it is they'll use way too little of a thing to get any therapeutic effect. And then the result is this herb doesn't do anything. Well, of course not. You didn't give them the herb. You gave them, you know, a piece of the herb. So I, again, you have to look into these things, not just look at the, the headlines for some of this, for some of these reviews and other studies. All right, drug-herb interactions. Here's what ChatGPT says. It is important to note that valerian root can also interact with certain medications, such as those used to treat insomnia or anxiety, so it is important to speak with a healthcare professional before you. Good, general, lacking any specificity or references. It's, it's accurate, you know, insomnia and anxiety medications, the most common one uh, in, in the United, in, in most of the developed nations is, is benzodiazepines. So yes, you do need to be cautious. We're gonna hit that in just a minute. So yeah, I, I'd like to see more specificity, more references. So here, let's do that. There have been a few in vitro studies to show some cytochrome interactions, but these have not been supported by in vivo studies. So let's, let's break that down. So in vitro means um, that it's in the test tube. Uh, in vivo means it's in, in real life. So it can be rats, can be humans. Um, generally, I'm not a huge fan of rat studies because just because it says it does something or doesn't do something in a rat doesn't mean it may or may not do it in humans. Um, so I really wanna see studies in humans, but generally in vivo studies are stronger than in vitro studies. And so what, what is here is in vitro studies, we saw some cytochrome P450 interactions. So cytochrome P450 is one of those things we look at for potential drug herb interactions. If there are interactions with cytochrome P450, it is far more likely that there's gonna be a drug herb interaction in humans. But so in vitro said, yeah, there are some interactions, but when they looked at it in vivo and, and actually, I saw some of the in vivo studies, they are human studies. So these are in human and there was nothing that was an interaction. So that's good to know. So in other words, don't think there's any cytochrome P450 interactions in humans. And I saw a bunch of studies that said that and actually referred to the in vitro studies and said, but we didn't see anything in, in humans. So 
I think that's pretty darn accurate. So I don't think we need to worry about cytochrome P450. Uh, there was nothing on peak glycoprotein stuff. Uh, I looked for that. Grunewald, again, this is the PDR for herbs say, uh, and his team say, valerian may potentiate the effect of other central nervous system depressants. Animal studies have shown that valerian has an additive effect when used in combination with barbiturates and benzodiazepines. Well, first of all, we never want to add to a barbiturate. A barbiturate overdose is quite deadly. Um, so, you know, we don't want additive to barbiturates. And benzodiazepines, you know, we don't – probably benzodiazepines are fairly safe. They're not going to kill you. Um, but, you know, we, we don't want to go too extreme. If you're taking a benzo or a barbiturate, or benzo being short for benzodiazepine, you do not – you should not – do not need to take valerian root. If you feel like you need to take valerian root and you're taking benzos, uh, and especially barbiturates, which aren't used as often these days, you need to talk to your doctor about your dosing on the benzo. You don't need to add in valerian root is basically my advice. <laughs> so Gardner and McGuffin, this is a book called the American Herbal Products Association Botanical Safety Handbook. And I really like this book. It's a, it's a big volume and has a lot of herbs, not all of them, but most herbs, both Chinese and Western, really good uh, information on it. And so Gardner and McGuffin agree with this recommendation, adds other sedative drugs. Uh, it just adds in other sedative drugs. So it's don't use it in barbiturates, uh, benzodiazepines, and other sedative drugs. And they're overall, they give rankings uh, for the safety and for the interactions. So they gave Valerian an interaction class rating, rating of B out of A, B, and C. And B means herbs for which clinically relevant interactions are biologically possible. So that's sort of the mid-rating. Uh, I, I think, you know, we see that in rats. We don't know in humans uh, how much interactions there are with barbiturates and benzodiazepines. But I think because we think the mechanism of action of valerian is GABA, and we know that's how benzos and barbiturates work, probably best to, to err on the side of caution and not combine those as, er, uh, you know, in, uh, as drugs and herbs. All right, let's talk about concerns of valerian. So let's go to ChatGPT and see what there is con its concerns are for valerian. Although valerian root is generally considered safe, there are some potential risks and side effects to be aware of, including drowsiness. Valerian root can cause drowsiness, which can affect your ability to drive or operate heavy machinery. Headaches. Some people may experience headaches as a side effect of valerian root. Upset stomach. Valerian root can cause digestive upset in some people, including nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea. And allergic reactions. Some people may be allergic to valerian root, which can cause symptoms such as hives, itching, and difficulty breathing. So interesting. It's actually in the ballpark, though there is a, a specific inaccuracy, and there are some other potential concerns with that. So I, I think if you were to follow that advice, I think you'd be fine. I just don't know if the advice, it, I think it's a little bit overreaching. So, you know, for example, that drowsiness thing. I, I mentioned, it's mentioned a lot in the literature, but not from studies. And the one study that looked at it said there wasn't any drowsiness um, that I found. So I, I, don't, I don't think drowsiness, I think that's one of the benefits of valerian is it can help you sleep and not have you, make you drowsy the next day and unable to, what does it say? Uh, uh, affect your ability to drive or operate heavy machinery. I don't think it does that, at least according to that study I found. So there you go. The others, let's see what some of the, the literature says about the other points that ChatGPT said. 
Grunewald and his team say, no health hazards are known in conjunction with the proper administration of designated therapeutic dosages. Gastrointestinal complaints can occur in rare cases. Contact allergies in very rare ones. With long-term administration, the following can occasionally appear. Headache, restless states, sleeplessness, mydriasis, which is uh, um, his uh, constriction of the pup pupils, uh, disorders of cardiac function. When large skin injuries or acute skin skin illnesses, severe feverish or infectious diseases, cardiac insufficiency or hypertonia are present, entire body baths with the addition of the volatile oil or of extracts from the drug should be avoided. Okay. I have large skin injuries. I probably, there aren't a lot of herbs that I'd add into that unless I really knew they were going to be helpful. Gardner and McGuffin, so that's the American... Uh, Herbal Products Association Botanical Safety Handbook say there may be diarrhea, headache, and GI disturbances with other adverse effects having a similar incidence as the placebo. In other words, um, yeah, there were other side effects, but they were exactly the same uh, uh, whether they got the valeria or they got the placebo. They do say there have been a couple cases of hepatotoxicity. So that's uh, toxicity to the liver, so some liver issues. Very, very rare. Uh, overall, however, they gave valerian the highest safety class of one. They do a one, two, three on safety class, and it's one. Herbs for which no clinically relevant interactions are expected. So it's, it's good in general. Um, Garen does say because of valerian's warm and stimulating qualities, it should be used with caution when there is heat from repletion or especially vacuity. Large doses can cause drowsiness. Okay, so maybe large doses we do get in the realm of drowsiness. But again, study said that's not true. Holmes says do not exceed the recommended doses because it is a medium-strength medium remedy with some cumulative toxicity. Valerian root should either be used intermittently or as a 10% maximum component in a formula. The root may produce a mild dependence and eventually create the same symptoms that it initially relieved. Extreme excessive or high dosage use can cause paralysis and heart problems. And valerian should not be taken with sleep medications as it has a potentizing effect on these. Okay, and those are our concerns so far. Finally, the NIH says few adverse events attributable to valerian have been reported for clinical study participants. Headaches, dizziness, pruritus, and gastrointestinal disturbances are the most common effects reported in clinical trials, but similar effects were also reported for the placebo. In one study, an increase in sleep sleepiness was noted the morning after 900 milligrams of valerian was taken. Investigators from another study concluded that 600 milligrams of valerian did not have a clinically significant effect on reaction time, alertness, and concentration the morning after ingestion. So there you go. So maybe a little bit higher dose can cause it, but normal doses probably doesn't. Several case reports described adverse effects. But in one case where suicide was attempted with a massive overdose, it is not possible to clearly attribute the symptoms to valerian. They continue to discuss who should not take valerian. Uh, women who are pregnant or nursing should not take valerian without medical advice because the possible risks to the fetus or infant have not been evaluated. Children younger than three years old should not take valerian because the possible risks to children of this age have not been evaluated. Individuals taking valerian should be aware of the theoretical possibility of additive sedative effects 
from alcohol or sedative drugs such as barbiturates and benzodiazepines. So alcohol we haven't mentioned. Um, I, and the reason why is a, a study, uh, it, it's mentioned as a potential interaction in a couple places, but I, I saw a study that said it, it probably doesn't affect it. Um, so I, I, I don't know about alcohol, but you know, and alcohol is a depressant and at least several people say this isn't a depressant. So I don't know if it, it interacts with alcohol or not. And it's easy to find out. So I'd, I think if it were, we would know it. It'd be a little bit stronger in the evidence. All right. So what about that AI? Let's, let's figure that out. So what do we think about AI use in research in herbs? I am really impressed with what it can do. However, I think we are quite a, way f a ways away from using it and more importantly, trusting it for patient care. It seemed to get the broad strokes of the herb pretty well, but fell into nonspecifics and slightly wrong when it came to concerns, research, and evidence-based information. Bottom line is, I think this could be a very useful tool for clinicians in the future, but still needs quite a bit of work before it gets there. So we'll, we'll check back in a month. That should be plenty of time given how fast everything is moving. I'm kidding. I, and remember, this is a very popular and well-known herb. How will it fare on more obscure medicinals? I'm kind of curious to try it on something a little bit more obscure. I mean, valerian is one of the more common popular herbs out there. So I'd be really curious to see how it does with some more obscure herbs, whether it can, it can do something or not. All right. So that was our episode today. Thank you very much. We conducted a very interesting experiment using artificial intelligence for herb research. And then we discussed a very commonly used herb, valerian. The evidence is currently lacking for its effectiveness, which I think is more the fault of poorly constructed studies rather than the herb being useless. We did discover it is pretty safe so long as one is not combining it with barbiturates or benzodiazepines. Overall, a very interesting herb with some potentially very useful effects. I do think I will, I, I can, I feel comfortable recommending this herb and, and discussing it with my patients in the future. I think it, it, it could be very useful. Here's how I would explain it to a patient is, look, valerian root can probably help uh, if someone's having trouble. You might want to try valerian root. Some people say it helps uh, uh, a lot and other people not so sure, but it's worth a try. That would be kind of my approach to it clinically. Uh, I think there would be patients who would find some benefit from it. In our next episode, we'll be looking at another Chinese herb, Dan Do Qi, or prepared soybean. This is a mild herb used occasionally to treat colds. Since it is also food, it should be pretty darn safe. And we will find out if it's effective. As usual, we will be exploring something a little different. I'm not sure what. Could it be that Dioscorides that we talked about earlier today? I don't know. I haven't decided. Please subscribe so you won't miss out on even one exciting episode. And you can subscribe in anything that you, any of your podcasters' subscription places. Thank you very much uh, for listening. If you like this podcast, do us a huge favor. Give us a five-star rating in your favorite podcast app. Man, we would be really appreciative if you were to do that. And remember, you can get CUs and uh, continuing education units and NCCOM or National Certification Commission of Acupuncture and OMS and PDAs, Professional Development Activities, at www.integrativemedicinecouncil.org. That's Integrative Medicine Council, C-O-U-N-C-I-L.org. You can always get in touch with me at drgreg at spurbsherbs.com or at our website, www.spurbs.com. There's three W's in there. 
www.spurbserbs.com. And as usual, here's our bibliography. Thank you. The proceeding was presented by Dr. Greg Sperber. We would like to thank Janelle for all her support and everybody else who contributed to this program. Janelle. Janelle. Timothy, Timothy Dobbins, Rogers, Campbell.